Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. It's Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. And what's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast presented by Fansided and TickPick. The Dodgers have reported to Camelback Ranch. And my goodness, the tape that we are getting from these Los Angeles Dodgers, especially the new guys like Shohei Otani, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Tyler Glass now, I got to be quite honest. In years past, I really didn't give a shit about any of this. But this year, this stuff is getting me super hyped. We'll talk about Shohei Otani taking some batting practice in a little bit. Bullpen sessions with Yamamoto, Glasnow, Beeler, Miller, and all the guys. You know what I have noticed, though? I haven't seen one Dodger at camp yet. Well, actually two. But the new guy, Teoscar Hernandez, haven't seen him yet. And I also believe Freddie Freeman hasn't reported, although he is working out. I've seen proof of that. Jake Reiner, how you doing? Super Bowl Sunday just passed, so you know what that means. It's officially time for Dodgers baseball. What's up, Incline listeners? Make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are so close to 1,000 subscribers. And hit that like button while you're here. What's up, Jake? The amazing turn of events that occurred where the 49ers go home crying Kyle Shanahan still can't get over the hump. Patrick Mahomes wins another Super Bowl. Just a beautiful Sunday evening that leads into Monday, which is basically baseball time. There's we got basketball, obviously, with the NBA and college basketball and all that. But baseball is upon us. Pitchers and catchers have reported. It's just a Beautiful time to be a Dodgers fan. I know everyone around everyone around the league is is upset or depressed or whatever that it's that it's you know spring and who cares? But this spring means something for the Dodgers. Everyone's excited. There's so many storylines to cover all throughout, and I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, Kevin. Where in years past, it's sort of like okay, spring training. Let's find out who we've got. You know, who's competing for a job here and there, and it's sort of the run of the mill storylines. This has everything: the Dodgers World Series expectations. What is Shohei Otani going to bring? Is he fully recovered from his injuries? 
as does Yamamoto know how to handle the new major league baseball? Does his people are talking about his height? Is his height going to matter? Is he going to adjust to major league pitching? There's so many different storylines we can cover. It's exciting to be a Dodgers fan. And I think we're going to keep that interest all throughout spring leading to opening day. No doubt about it. That that kind of reminds me. I don't remember what was the size of the baseball in the World Baseball Classic. Was it the it same? Was, was it, it was the Major League Baseball size. Okay. So Yamamoto does have okay. uh, some so, experience with I, that baseball. Great. That gives me some more reassurance. Then, what's up, Doom underscore Sal? What's up, Dennis Gonzalez? What's up, Dustin? Thank you guys for all hanging out with us tonight. Let's welcome back Chris Camello, a regular here. Chris, how you doing? What have you been up to the last couple months? Dude, it's been, uh, I've been staying busy, you know, trying to get my, my other podcast back on it. Check it out at the outlet forum, talking NBA, NFL, MLB. Uh, you know, I, I just hosted a little Super Bowl shindig myself. So coming off the high of what was, a, you know, it was an ugly, great game. If that, if, if that makes sense, if you liked mistakes, if you like defense, if you like, like trick plays and clutch plays, this was the Super Bowl for you. Not to mention a pretty good halftime show. Yeah, I said it, Kev. It was a good halftime show. I know you were doing the killer's plug. And by the way, the killers wanted me to tell you the check for that endorsement is in the mail. So be on the lookout for it. No, but, uh, but ultimately, uh, it was a good Super Bowl. You got to know the overtime rules. Number one thing, and you can't make special teams mistakes and expect to win. Especially if you're the players, you got to know. Yes, exactly, exactly. So uh, Fred Warner, I think, also needs to take a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, blame for that, you know, uh, the the coin toss situation. But, no, it's good to see uh, baseball is right back around the corner. It's been a wild offseason for the Dodgers. There's still a ton of free agents that are still out there. I I mean, it's going to be an interesting next two to three weeks. You know, if you thought it was a good offseason already, I think the next two to three weeks is going to be very interesting as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought the the Usher halftime show was just okay. I wasn't really that moved. There was a lot more theatrics going on than actual good music. But Come on, there was a I, there was a roller skater girl that fell off the stage. It was great. Kev, <laughs> we were partying like it was 1999, bro, with Ludacris, with Usher, Dude, well, with Alicia the- Keys. This is the Super Bowl halftime show for us millennials. This was well, this you, was our jam. You know, everyone's everyone's uh, freaking out about Ludacris, you know, coming out there. I I, I freaked out. I was like, are they going to bring out Ludacris? And then he came out there, and I was like, it's Ludacris. A lot of people were upset that Justin Bieber was not brought out. I definitely saw that trending. And hey. speaking of 1999, he he was no prince, but like I said, <laughs> he was salt. He was okay, but I wasn't moved. I think Justin Bieber turned it down from what I, I saw a report. I don't know if it was correct, but I saw that he had turned it down possibly. I don't know. But this was as far as like guest stars, Will I Am, Jermaine Dupri, who by the way, Eddie Munster called. He wants his uh, outfit back. Uh, you, who else did you have? Alicia Keys. You had Ludacris. You had Alicia Keys. You had Lil John. By the way, Lil John been hitting the gym, man. I wonder if he went <laughs> to the same gym that 50 Cent goes to because remember how beefed up Fitty looked in the Super Bowl halftime show two years ago. So yeah. anyway, all of it, Lil I John, it was a Lil... solid Super Bowl weekend. Vegas did a great job. And I know oh, Raider man. fans are hurting today seeing the Chiefs win on their home field. I mean, that Las can't, Vegas, that can't feel good. Las Vegas is 100% the perfect place to host a Super Bowl. 
They absolutely nailed it. I'm sure yeah. it'll be coming back in five to ten year span, whatever whenever they can get their next no turn doubt. in the queue. That was electric. Yeah, I loved it. The game was good overall. Um, Kyle Shanahan, he may have made some coaching blunders in the second half, but I think uh, Chris was the one that said it all came down to the 49er special teams. That's what blew it for them ultimately. Two mistakes. Two mistakes. Yeah, well, that ball went off that guy's foot. I don't know how yeah. I don't know how you avoid that. That was so fluky. Jake, that was flashes of the 2012 NFC Championship. Remember Kyle Williams? Yeah. Yeah, same situation, man. So, yeah, I mean, you have to have luck and everything like that. But the one thing I, I appreciate about the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, I'm not going to do the Brady comp, but I will say this. They are both cut from the same cloth. They have humility and grit under pressure. That's the one thing both of those guys have in common that I've learned to appreciate. About, Mahal, about Brady for many years, and now for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yeah, I mean, all right, the people want us to get to baseball. My last comment will be, and I said this, and I'll die on this hill. We are watching the Michael Jordan of the NFL right now with Patrick Mahomes. He is just that phenomenal, and we're just living it right now. We'll see what happens at the end of his career, but he's on the trajectory. So Steve A wants us to get on to baseball, and I agree, Dennis. SoFi Stadium is one of the best out there as well. Let's get to LA. Let's get to Dodgers. Okay, let's do it. Shohei Otani took batting practice for the first time in a Dodgers uniform. After the swinging and all that, he did say this was the first time he swung outdoors since the oblique injury, and I believe he did connect for one home run. So let's get into Shohei Otani and hitting home runs with the Dodgers. So my first question is, how much do you guys think the first – what is going to happen when Shohei Otani hits his first home run? I assume a fan's going to catch it. It's going to be an expensive ball, right? Yeah, it might, and it might happen in Korea. So that oh, that yeah. would be that would be kind of exciting if it if it happened there. Yeah, uh, an expensive ball for sure. There's probably going to be some sort of trade with a signed autograph or a bat or something like that. Or or it may just be here. You go, keep it because Shohei Otani's been been in the league for six years now. So. Hitting a home run is kind of his thing, and even though it will be the first one as a Dodger, I don't. I'm not sure if that ball is coming back. It may not. Call, call me crazy, but I think that ball is going to end up in the Baseball Hall of Fame Museum because it'll be the first home run from the first 700 million dollar contract, first home run with the Dodgers. It just, to me at least, seems kind of monumental. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it both ways, honestly. For sure, I I, I definitely think it might happen in Korea. It would be something if it happened at Dodger Stadium. That would be storybook. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's going to be a monumental. I, I don't know if I want to go as far as saying it's going to go into the Hall of Fame. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it's definitely a uh, it's definitely going to be a cool moment. No question about it. And hopefully, guys, first to many. Can we talk about that batting practice for a second? Uh, every single angle I saw was just perfect, but the one that really sold me was the one, the low angle uh, from behind the plate, looking up at Otani, just sending these balls to the moon. Mm -hmm. I mean, they disappeared out of frame and he wasn't even swinging that hard. I mean, this is his first batting practice since the surgery that he had in October. And this is him at like, not a hundred percent. Like yeah. that is impressive. And also, just the swing, the sound, the person. I mean, how could you not smile watching that video and knowing he hit 10 bombs? I mean, 
just incredible. Yeah. I it you you can't say enough about it. Yeah, I was I was mistaken with my facts, and Jake was right, and Steve Ace keeping me in check in the chat. Yeah, ten home runs out of twenty one swings. That's basically fifty mm-hmm. percent, hundred nine miles per hour exit velocity according to Steve. A. That's awesome, and this is his first go around. So when it starts to really count, we're talking about a special creature here. And it's just insane how much Otani buzz is circulating online. Like this puts Manny Wood into like a little suburban town because Shohei mm-hmm. Otani is the sun right now. Everything is orbiting around him. And like I haven't seen this much excitement about a single player maybe in my entire lifetime. The also, amount of fan, the amount of fans we're getting because of Shohei Otani is awesome. I mean, just the media circus that is surrounding Otani and Yamamoto in the first few days of camp is just, I mean, it's nothing like we've ever seen before as Dodgers fans. Um, He did say uh, that he, Otani did say that uh, he's trending toward being ready for opening day, which I think we all kind of anticipated, but to hear him say that things are trending in the right direction for him to be ready for those games in Korea is huge. We know they're going to kind of slow ramp him up uh, in spring and we we may not see him take his first couple of at bats and i don't know how long it's going to take for him to fully get into a game but just know that that's kind of the plan so that he's ready for opening day yeah it's it's definitely significant and uh you know 10 home runs and you know guys he delayed his elbow surgery this wasn't like he's been sitting out a whole year he's been sitting out i think it's been what five months he didn't have his surgery until late August, early September. I think it was early September sometime by the time the Angels shut him down. So um, for him to be out there crushing the ball and just being healthy, that is that is uh, significant right there. I agree with Jake. And, you know, uh, we'll see about what the plan is. Obviously, they want to bring him up slowly. But I think, to be honest, he's in it. He's going to want to play the majority of these games this year because he wants to win. And that's who he is. This guy is a gamer. And the one thing I still cannot get over, the size of him. My <laughs> goodness. You see the size of his calves? They're like tree stumps, man. I think he, I think he gives Kawhi Leonard a run for his money for the biggest calf sizes. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what his measurements are. Okay, well, easy on that part, Kev. I just made, you know, one of them. Oh, yeah. Okay, right six. I was doing my Kawhi impression. Six. Nobody got it, but okay. <laughs> six, four, three. Yeah, that, that was good, Jake. That was good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so he's six, four, 209 pounds. Wow. There you oh, yeah, go. What a specimen. So that's, yeah, that's really exciting. What Shohei Otani's bringing to the Dodgers. He looks very happy. He showed up in three different Porsches. I've noticed that someone kept track of that. There was like two white vans and one black van or something. Um, he's been there every day. He's doing his workouts. He's got the weight fest on, uh, did like hours of exercise. So Shohei Otani in the Dodgers camp and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He's thrown two bullpens already for the Dodgers. And on the second one, they had Shohei Otani right behind him, watching him throw that bullpen session and Yamamoto gave Otani the nod of approval because he looked absolutely stoked to be teammate that they're teaming up. And I didn't read too much into it yet. I think there were some articles explaining more in terms of why Yamamoto joined the Dodgers. But I mean, to me, it seems pretty apparent. It's the best organization. If you want to win, 
You get to team up with Shohei Otani, and the Dodgers know what they're doing. They have their shit together. Yeah, they do. And I heard that from uh, Dylan Hernandez reporting, uh, LA Times reporter, he he reported that uh, Yamamoto will pitch one of the two games in Korea, which we kind of uh, thought was going to happen, but just cool to have that uh, be sort of official. Um, what do we think about the uh, the Javelin warm-up uh, or the Javelin training program? I don't know much about it, but we've seen videos of Yamamoto throwing the javelin and looks pretty cool. It seems as though like Kershaw and Bueller are very much interested in his training regimen and maybe want to get in on something like that. It's just so cool to have these guys in camp that have their own way of training and preparing to be able to share that with the guys that have been in the major leagues for as long as they've been. Um, just, just a kind of a weird, unique thing that, that gets him. I don't know. I don't know what the benefits of the javelin are, but clearly it's resulted in him being the best pitcher in Japan and hopefully one of the best pitchers in baseball. You know, when I saw javelin, you know what I thought of Jake, you'll appreciate this. Maybe you too, Kev. I was thinking about that scene in uh, revenge of the nerds when they built a special javelin, uh, in order to rig the competition against the alpha yep. betas. Yeah, so clearly, uh, who knows? Maybe Yoshinobu Yamamoto is a big fan of Revenge of the Nerds. But uh, no, it's, you know, everyone's got these different techniques. And, you know, if you're able to adopt it to make you a little bit stronger, a little bit healthy, healthier, a little bit more focused, why not? You know, a adapt adapt some of that Eastern, that yeah. Japanese culture sometimes, you know? Yeah, I mean, we all, pro you all probably, you all probably already know this, but he trains with the javelin because when he was younger, like near his rookie ish era of pitching in Japan, he experienced some elbow issues and I don't know who consulted him with, with this training technique, but apparently the javelin throwing is what keeps his elbows and arms and all that fresh. That's so cool. yeah, I am intrigued in terms of if any other Dodgers are going to pick that up in the coming days. I know that sometimes they throw like uh, a heavy bean bag, bean bag ball or whatever against the wall. I've seen that a lot with pitchers. Well, I mean, I, I mentioned it a few moments ago, but I read that uh, and I forget. I think it was either in Fabian's reporting or, or Jack Harris's reporting. Um, but but Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw reportedly are interested in in trying it or at least learning more about it. Yeah, I mean, they rightfully should. Both of them are coming off pretty serious injuries. And so far up to this point, it seems like Yamamoto knows how to keep himself on the field. And so it can't hurt to follow suit of one of the best pitchers coming over from Japan. So they should give it a try. They should they should all get together and basically have a little notebook and share tips. And I know I've noticed this. Doom underscore Sal. He's been following Yamamoto for a very long time, so he knows how legit this guy is. He's mentioning that the split finger that he throws is going to freeze batters. Yeah, well, I mean, we've, we've kind of seen it too um, in, in the World Baseball Classic on that stage. Th this is... Uh... This is really cool. This is a this is kind of like a new way to not only learn but appreciate baseball on another level. Um, having these guys come over and share their their culture, their upbringing, their way of going about it is 
going to open a lot of people's eyes. It already is opening my eyes to it and appreciating this game a little bit, a little bit better because there are so many ways in which to prepare for this game. And we've kind of only seen one ish way in the major leagues and to have Yamamoto come over here and have this whole different setup is so fascinating to me. Yang Yi in the chat is saying that glass now trying Kelly Paxton have already joined the javelin practice. I've seen, there are a lot of fans already at Camelback ranch. Like it's, it's like a stadium size out there with how many people are showing up. So I'm going to believe anyone's words that are there because there's a lot going on. I feel like there's been so much talk about the two Dodgers new superstars, rightfully so. Um, but there has been some bullpen sessions by other guys like Tyler Glass. Now he looked really filthy. Can't wait to see him in action. Walker Bueller, they're clocking him around 92, 94 miles per hour on his fastball. I think some people are concerned, but to me, I feel like that's pretty good this early on into spring training. I mean, we're not even in regular games yet. Like he's not going to be throwing 95 to 97. So if he's 92 to 94, to me, I think that's perfectly fine. And we shouldn't really be worried about Walker Bueller right now, because I, I have seen that online. He's not going to throw a hundred like he first did when he came up. If he can get around 94 to 95 range, I think that's a good velocity point for Walker Bueller during the regular season. Also, uh, thanks a lot, Yang Yi. He, uh, he 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 threw a split finger at us and we missed it uh, because he was apparently kidding about the Glasnow, Trinan, Joe Kelly, and James oh. Paxton also joining the Javelin practice. So, uh, you know, <sighs> just like uh, it's just like news stations listening to the scanner. You know, you can't really report what's going on on the police scanner. You got to confirm it yourself. So, um, yeah, we're uh, we're we're flying by the seat of our pants here at the Incline Dodgers podcast, but. When we do stray from the uh, from the facts, we gotta bring it back and uh, and hold ourselves accountable here. So uh, come on, Yang Yi, you gotta do better than that. Yeah, I trust uh, you guys. I trust you guys. What's up, Mo- What's up, Moose? Good to see you. Thanks for hopping on. What's up, everyone else? We're g- we're gonna take some questions and all that pretty soon. So if anyone has some good questions, drop them in the chat right now. We're definitely open to answering things. Um, in just a few minutes, we will do a new segment here on the incline where we're going to rank some position players. So you want to chime in and stay tuned for that. But let's continue back with uh, the Dodgers training. Is there any other thoughts we have right now with these Dodgers? I, I actually wanted to bring up the Bueller. Why I'm a little frustrated with that. It has nothing to do with the Velo. Is why won't this guy be ready by opening day when he was almost ready to come back? late last year like what is really the holdup is this a Bueller problem or is this an organization problem because this is his second Tommy John I think it's the the latter you really think that yeah I think the Dodgers love to put training wheels on guys that are coming off not not just one minor injury but when we're talking about a guy that had his second Tommy John surgery Kind of like when Julio Arias a few years back was coming back from the shoulder surgery. He was on like a three-year training wheels program. And this isn't really a knock against Walker Buehler at all. I mean, the Dodgers have been pretty transparent about this. They want to keep his innings down because the whole mindset here, and to me it makes sense just based off the way the last three postseasons have gone, who gives this crap if Walker Buehler is pitching in April or even May? You need to have him in the second half 
You want him at his peak, probably in September, carry that momentum into the postseason. Because like I just said a second ago, we're basically hanging on with paper clips. Like we have an airplane up in the air and we're having that door closed by paper clips because every time we get into the postseason, we're short on pitching. Right. And I think that from Walker Bueller's perspective, if you've heard him speak about it, he sort of said that he's ready to pitch. He feels good. He feels healthy, but that he's going to defer to the Dodgers in their uh, slow ramp up of him. I think he understands the importance of his availability as as is with everybody on this pitching rotate in this pitching rotation. Kershaw is going to be slow to, to come back. Paxton. That makes more sense. Paxson's going to be slow. Um, so that's why the Dodgers have so much depth. I mean, with, you know, with Sheehan and Stone and those guys and Yarbrough, I mean, those guys are going to get a lot of starts this year. Uh, Especially as, early. As we saw last year, uh, what was the case. So, you know, and, and in Glasnow too. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of injury prone pitchers on this staff. So, but the good news is, is that there are a lot of them. The Dodgers stocked up on pitching, which was going to be their, you know, goal this off season. And they've done that. So I, I, I think that they can afford to ramp these guys up slowly. And like we were talking about with Otani too, don't need to rush him back. If he's not fully ready either, because this team is going to make the playoffs, the, the NL West. I mean, maybe the, the diamondbacks are going to make some noise like they did last year, but the NL West is the Dodgers to lose and they're going to be fine with whatever combination of players they have healthy at this time, this team is going to be a good regular season team. Regardless, as we've said millions of times, it's about August, October. It's about down the stretch and into October. That is, that is the key. Oh, yeah. yeah, no. And those are all good points. And that's I figured that's what it was, but for a guy that was almost ready to be ready last year, well, he may not be ready to start this year. I just, I see it a little bit differently. I mean, I understand that the aspect of not wanting to rush him back, not wanting to tax his arm with too many innings, but I would like to see the ramp up a little bit more quickly, if that makes sense, only in this aspect, because you want to shake off that rust. This guy has not pitched since June of 2022. That's not nothing. So for me, what is all this rest going to do if you're not going to be able to come back and, you know, be able to to get to that five six seven inning mark that's yeah, that's I mean, my the, issue the thing is the only is way to to get back at it is to get back at it i agree and and they will i just feel like they're being so careful with walker bueller because they know how valuable he is especially in october yeah. so they're going to ramp him up slowly and i think to your point last year they were saying that there was a possibility he could come back i think they were thinking well, if he could come back for the playoffs, we could really use him there. But I think they they decided, you know what? It's not worth it. It's really not worth it because it puts his career in jeopardy when when you start talking about that. So, with the way the Dodgers are built, you know, they don't they don't necessarily need Walker Bueller for for the regular season. Yeah. Get get hold on to your butts. Get ready to watch Michael Grove possibly start some april games again he's gonna be better he's gonna be better than last year maybe out of the bullpen which i think is where he naturally fits but i'm not so sure as a starter there is going to be one or two april games thankfully Noah syndergaard's not on this roster so we can we can cross him out but 
Mm-hmm. One or two starts where the Dodgers just, just get absolutely boat raced again, potentially. Um, but yeah, they need the starting depth. I don't really give a crap who starts for them in April because I've said it every year. What happens in April honestly doesn't even matter, especially because the division is relatively weak in the NL West. The, the Diamondbacks maybe are the biggest threat. Could be the San Diego Padres. Kind of just depends on how you view both those teams overall. But the Dodgers going to win 100-plus games per the usual and we'll transition to now to a question which i think is a pretty good one we've covered it a couple times but it can always change from doom underscore sal we pretty much know the top of the lineup thoughts on four through nine in at highland we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes there's no customer pain point too small for us to help with Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Batting order. Well, it seems like Will Smith is going to be your number four hitter. Um, from all the projections that I've seen, I don't necessarily love it, but, um, he's, he's going to be there because you've got what Roberts doesn't want is Freeman, Otani, Muncie, lefty, lefty, lefty. So you're going to throw Will Smith at number four, Muncie at number five, and then maybe, uh, Teoscar Hernandez at six, and then maybe Hayward, or Outman in there, Rojas, not Rojas, uh, Lux, uh, Lux at the bottom. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's Whoa. also going to be depending on the platoon. We'll probably see Margot, uh, maybe get some starts. If Outman is struggling, that, that, I think that's where the Margot aspects comes in. We'll see Chris Taylor in that seven, eight kind of hole, uh, in there as well. If he's, if he's out there starting in left field and Jason Hayward, as well. I think the question is, are, you know, would you put Lux at seven or would you want to kind of run it back to where he was in 2022, where he actually had some success and put Lux in that nine hole and have that speed with nine, one, and two with Lux, um, Betts, and I'm assuming Otani. Yeah. Or Freeman. I, or I think, Freeman, yeah. I, I think, it, I think it's going to go Betts, Freeman, Otani, but Either way, I, either way, you did it. We talked about that last time, Chris, uh, about Lux in the nine hole. We all three of us, David included, uh, were on board with that. We feel like 
you know, as a sort of a secondary leadoff hitter type at the bottom of the order to flip that lineup around. He's got a great on base percentage, great speed, um, and and he's shown success in that slot. So I'm 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 all for that. Steve G, I'm a Grove guy. Get him in there starting. Yeah, I love shopping at the Grove too. Uh, one of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I think Michael Grove's going to make a step, uh, a step forward. I mean, he has the stuff. It's just a, a little bit too hittable at times. It's a little out over the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael, little, uh, Michael Grove, Cincinnati Reds feasted on him that one. Michael day. Grove's going to look so good in a Blue Jays uniform come July. Oh no, that's where I stand. Well, yeah. I, I'm wondering if I, I'm wondering if these guys are doing this purposely to get under Kevin's skin. I know I, I like to do that at times, so I'm wondering if these uh, if these viewers and listeners of ours right now are are doing that. Yeah, maybe. Michael Carrillo, a regular, with such an interesting question: What month will Jason Hayward be cut? He's not going to get cut. He is Freddie Freeman's best friend. If anything, they'll do the phantom 60-day IL where he can just be a support animal. And I, collect I that $9 million. I don't, I don't think he's going to get cut. And not just because – and I don't think it has anything to do with him being Freeman's friend. I think Dave Roberts loves this guy and loves him in the clubhouse. And I, it's a topic that I wanted to, to get into at some point tonight, which we will. I Hopefully, hopefully we will. But uh, Roberts basically anointed – uh, Jason Hayward as the guy shouldering most of the Shohei Otani questions when Otani isn't speaking to the media. So I think Jason Hayward's around to stay. I love the fact that they brought him back. I mean, he had such a great season last year. He was such a great presence in that clubhouse. He's an excellent defender. I mean, just a yeah. great glove to have out there. Uh, even if he doesn't start a late inning defensive replacement is a perfect position to be for him to be in. And and he's not going to start every day, but against right-handed pitching, I mean, that's a pretty good bat to have in there. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet, folks. Um, But yeah, I mean, Jason Hayward is not going anywhere. He is basically the team captain of this team, whether you want to like it or not. He is basically the vocal leader of this clubhouse because Freddie doesn't want to do it. Mookie doesn't want to do it. Uh, It's basically him and Miguel Rojas, who was very generous and gifted both Otani and Yamamoto a nice bottle of wine saying he's thrilled to be teammates with them. But if anyone, please don't trade me or cut me. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone's going anywhere, unfortunately it's Manuel Margot. And I'm going to stick with that. Like, is this guy even really a Dodger? Because I feel like we haven't seen him at all since he got traded to Los Angeles. I haven't heard him speak once. I haven't seen him at camp. What's going on here? Well, the play, the rest of the position players haven't reported yet. I think they're reporting tomorrow, um, tomorrow or, or Wednesday. So we, that's why we only saw a few position players, you know, Mookie we saw today. And Otani. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be right, but yeah, Mar- Mar- Margot would likely be the, the DFA at some point, but I still think like yeah. that is insurance for Outman. Just like, why did they bring in James Paxton? It's insurance in case Emmett Sheehan, you know, hits the sophomore slump. In case Bobby Miller, probably not, hits the sophomore slump. It's good to have some guys in the pipeline that know who they are, know how to play their position, and can hit the ball every now and then. You know what I'm saying? Like in Margot's case, he's always been a pretty decent contact hitter, and I think it's it's not a it's not the worst stash guy to have because he had some good years with the Tampa Bay Rays. 
Yeah, I mean, it's that, and it's also you just can never have enough pitching. I mean, James Paxton is a very proven starter, and they kind of needed a good lefty in the rotation. And speaking of lefties, let's get a let's get to Moose's question. Moose, 1032, thank you so much for that super chat. That is really awesome of you. Appreciate the support. Great question coming from Moose. Are the lack of lefties in the pen a problem, or is that strategy overrated? Or, oh, yeah. Or over. Overt. Yeah. He's um, he overrated. Okay. Okay. Um, my, my response to that is, well, my kind of like old school baseball fan brain is like, you got to have a lefty in the pen. You got to have a couple of lefties in the pen. Situational, you know, yeah. bring a guy in to get the best lefty hitter on that uh, respective team out, whatever. Um, but that's just not what baseball is anymore. We have the three batter minimum rule that kind of killed the lefty specialist role on a team. Lefties now have to get both lefties and righties out as we know. And, and similarly right-handed pitchers need to get both righties and lefties out. The Dodgers actually have a plethora of right-handed pitchers in the bullpen that can get left-handed batters out like Evan Phillips and Blake Trinan and Bruce Dargratterall and all of these guys, uh, Brazier too. Um, that have these kind of reverse splits about them, fire eyes and two, um, that it doesn't really matter if there's a big lefty on the other team. They have these, these you know, kind of fireman role, you know, high leverage guys that can come mm -hmm. in and get anybody out. So I'm not too concerned uh, the fact that we only have Vessia and Yarborough um, because, because of this uh, sort of new way of thinking. They're going to give Matt Gage a try. He's got so, very minimal, but he has some major league experience. And so far in his short, uh, short, small sample size, he's been effective against lefties. But I'm going to be honest here. I'm not buying this. I don't think the Dodgers go into the second half with the current lefties they have on the roster. They might ride it right now in the first half. You hear it all the time from insiders that just the market in terms of trading for relief pitchers is really expensive right now. So you kind of hope that some of these sellers around the trade deadline, it's still going to cost a hefty toll, but it might not be as much as it costs right now. You get a guy for a couple months because I, I don't think you really, unless he just turns it around, I don't trust Alex Vesia against the top lefties in the lineup. And the Dodgers are so analytically driven. I just don't buy them going into a postseason with one lefty they trust and throwing a bunch of righties, even if they can get them out at an effective rate saying these are our guys to get the top lefties out. I'll throw out a scenario. Do you really want to go with right-handed pitchers against, let's say, Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper back-to-back? -back? I don't think the Dodgers really do, to be honest. I think they want a lefty who, during the entire regular season, got nothing but lefties out. And I that's just where I stand. Well, that's where the trade deadline comes in, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to be quite honest, I was kind of – it was kind of weird timing to trade Ferguson when they did because he did have a year left. I, I think he, this was going to be his walk year anyway. I would have kind of grinded it out with him and just see what he did. I understand he didn't finish the season on a high note, but he was actually all right in those three games against the Arizona Diamondbacks in the divisional round. Or I'm sorry, in the uh, in the uh, wild card. Oh, no, no, it was the division round. Yeah, it was. Um, and I, I was kind of like, huh, that's an interesting trade to make in that scenario not to mention they also traded victor gonzalez so they got rid of two lefties 
this offseason that were going to be under contract for next year. So I just I just think there's something else up their sleeve. But I agree with you guys. They're going to see what this guy Gage does. I think they also have Alicia Hernandez, right, that they also uh, signed. So maybe they might want to put him in a, in a bullpen role. I don't know what they did with that guy Hudson, uh, Brian Hudson, the lefty that they used last year. So. I DFA'd him and traded him. Okay, yeah. So – yeah, they're doing something with lefties. I, I, but I think there's something else there, and I just, I still haven't figured out what it is. Yeah, I mean, with Caleb Ferguson, they were basically recycling him. They knew he probably wasn't coming back anyways after this season, and like I was just saying, they probably aren't that high on him anyways with Vesia and probably Ferguson. Hence why they trade him. I think they just ride what they have right now. They're probably going to make this their pivotal focus come trade deadline assuming we don't get some catastrophic injuries in the rotation sure it up like you did in 2017 when they got not only one lefty but two lefties tony watson and tony singrani yeah that really worked out for the dodgers i don't care if they had to give up o'neill cruz both those guys were phenomenal in 2017 run run it back with that formula so it's kind of a wait and see i think you don't really need lefties during the regular season, it comes down to pivotal moments when you get to a, a series that actually matters for something. I agree. I agree. Which is why I'm saying, like, I think this is something where it's like, eh, you know, we'll, we'll check this out again later on. Like, it, you know, we're not going to be concerned about this now, but it is something that I think if it's not working out and it's obvious that left-handed hitters are bearing this bullpen, that's when it'll be like, okay, we need to now make a change somewhere down the line. Yeah. Thank you, Moose. That was a great question. Um, we'll get to some more questions later on. I wanted to get to our segment now, unless Jake, you want to talk about Mookie Betts or Hayward again real quick. I Yeah. I, I mean, this is kind of a discussion that I wanted to have with you guys. Um, and we kind of had touched on it before, but just about where what the Dodgers, how the Dodgers players are going to handle the extra questions that will be thrown at them about Shohei Otani, because during his time with the angels, he um, didn't really speak to the media that often. I mean, when he pitched and when he had like a monster game at the plate, like he spoke to the media. So I think that the players, as, as far as what Dave Roberts has said, the players understand what is at stake here and what, what needs to happen, uh, you know, going forward. And so he, the weird part though, is that Dave, uh, like I said before, anointed, uh, Jason Hayward as sort of the Otani spokesperson. And then, um, when they went to go talk to Hayward about this, um, Hayward said, Shohei is the guy to talk about Shohei. It's harder if you make it harder, if you guys make it harder. But if anything, it's what you deal with every season as it is. I understand you guys will probably try to check in with me on the daily, but you know me by now. If I have something I got to get, uh, if I have something I have to say, I got to get done and focus on, then I'll do that. But when I can, I understand you guys have a job to do as well. Um, I don't know. That was weird. I, I just find it weird. Um, it seemed like Dave just kind of threw that out there and maybe he didn't talk to Hayward about it, but maybe he did. It just seemed like Hayward was kind of a little noncommittal about that role. Um, but I think as the season goes on, he's going to be the one that's going to, that is going to talk, but also Mookie and Freddie too. 
Um, and, and I think that Dave Roberts understands that this kind of comes with the territory. This is part of your job as a major leaguer to talk to the media, good or bad, of whatever happens on the field. Um, but I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on kind of this new normal that the Dodgers are embarking on with Otani and also Yamamoto. Well, I mean, it's going to be the talk for a long time, all year long, and it's only going to get crazier. Like if we think it's wild right now, wait till these games actually start to happen, because I don't know. I don't know how far reporters are willing to push it. They seem to be kind of pacifists when it comes to poking holes at the Dodgers and all that. Um, if they have like a bad game and maybe Otani goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, I don't know if they would badger other Dodgers players about that. I guess that's more like the storylines I'm intrigued about. Um, but I think, you know, I think the Dodgers outside of, or I should say the Dodgers that aren't Otani and I guess Yamamoto have handled it fairly well overall. I think this is a great organization to put this immense amount of pressure on them. I don't know if other organizations like the San Diego Padres could honestly handle this. If Shohei Otani teamed up would Manny Machado and Tatis be cool about this uh, on the flip side, the Houston Astros, they've shown some lack of class too in the past. So the Dodgers players like the Mookies, the Freemans of the world, the Haywards, I think they're doing a great job. And I think um, all things considered, you know, I, I have no complaints. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a weird, it was definitely a weird answer, but at the same point in time, there are times where guys don't, don't want to have their roles labeled either. And I think maybe that's where Hayward was coming, you know, uh, from with his point of view, uh, with what he said, what he said. And I think it is an adjustment right now. There's obviously more lofty expectations. There's a lot more media coverage and everything. And I think um, they're, everyone's still trying to get their bearings, guys. It's only been a few days. You know, they just had Fan Fest a week and a half ago. You know, pitchers and catchers just started to report. Now, now you're going to have the rest of the gang showing up at the end of this week. So I think everyone is just trying to kind of get their legs under them and be like, okay, how is this all going to work out? And I think that's really where Jason Hayward was coming from, from, from a position. And I think this is still a very locked-in group. And I'll tell you what gave it away. How many of those guys showed up to Chris Taylor's Polar Bear Plunge in Manhattan Beach last Sunday, a day after Fan Fest? And I'm not just talking about the B-level, C-level guys, the minor league guys or the guys at the end of the bench. Mookie was there. Freddie was there. I mean, a lot of the guys showed up. That goes. That, that says something right there. You know, they didn't have to do that. We're still in February. We're still in the offseason. Them showing up tells you everything that you need to know. So I don't think we should be reading too much into this right now. Uh, this is going to be Dave Roberts' greatest test as a manager in terms of keeping this clubhouse in order. And I think, say what you want about Dave Roberts, his greatest strength is the clubhouse guy. I mean, he is the player's manager. He's kept clubhouses together the entire time he's been with the Dodgers since 2016. They've There's barely been a skirmish. I mean, a Yasiel Puig incident here, a Cody Bellinger benching there. But other than that, it's been mm -hmm. crickets and he's held it together every single year. But this is going to be his biggest test yet because he's he hasn't had as much attention on him as he will this season. And also the expectations of winning a World Series. One more little tidbit that I wanted to get to before we get to our uh, segment that Kevin has come up with. Um, there was a lot of talk today because Mookie Betts showed up 
at spring training at Camelback Ranch. A lot of talk about, you know, what happened last year in the postseason. As we know, Mookie went over, didn't show up. It was it was pretty frustrating, not only as fans, but also for him and Dave Roberts. And so there were a lot of questions about that today. Uh, Mookie Betts, um, you know, basically, I, I, I like the quotes that he had. I mean, he basically said, I got to show up when it matters. Uh, that was one of the quotes that he had. And then another one is, if we don't show up, we're going to lose. So he's mm-hmm. focused on winning as, as we all expected him to be. Um, but just having those uh, th- those quotes out there, he seemed frustrated. I don't know if you guys want to go check out the the, the clip of him in, in the clubhouse answering questions, but he seemed pretty, uh, maybe a little irritated at these questions at this point um, because he just wants to go out there and play and and win. Um, but a, a interesting, an interesting little reveal though from Dave Roberts uh, at his media scrum. There were a lot of questions about Mookie's struggles down the stretch, and Roberts suggested that it's possible Mookie was pre- uh, was pressing because Mookie wanted to get to 40 home runs. He only had 39 during the season, but that's what Dave said, and it's not something that Mookie had said, but it was something that David said that he had. Uh, it, from his perspective, he thought that Mookie trying to chase 40 home runs may have affected his approach at the plate, may have bled into his struggles down the stretch, and then into October. I, so there's some things that Dave says where I'm like, you don't need to say that because obviously once you say that, it's going to create a whole other shitstorm about why is Mookie stat chasing? Why doesn't he care about the team and all of that stuff? But I did find it to be an interesting comment from Dave Uh you know, sitting in the dugout watching these games day in and day out. What do you guys make of that? I mean, that'd be kind of disappointing if true, because who cares about little little milestones like that in the regular season when you're playing for a title? But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to make of it. But I will say if there is one player that always holds himself accountable, holds himself to a higher standard, even when he's having great streaks, he'll be honest and say he feels like he's sucking, and that's Mookie Betts. So if there's one thing you can count on for Mookie, yeah, he sucked in the postseason last two years, so I guess you can argue you can't count on him then right now, but you can count on him being candid and holding himself accountable. Yeah, I I agree, and I think uh, you know there's an element of being annoyed and being reminded of your lowest moment. None of us like that. You know, If I were to say, hey, Jake, you remember four years ago when, you know, you, uh, you know, you were in that movie or in that show and you were t- like, you know what I mean? It's like people don't want to keep being reminded of those things. So I think that's where the irritability came from. As far as him being sad chasing, you know, you, you uh, Jake, you made something, uh, an interesting remark about what Robert said. I could easily flip that around and saying maybe for Dave, that's like his way of saying that's why he struggled. Because if, if, if it's not for that, then is this guy now just not a clutch performer anymore? You know what I'm saying? So I think by him saying he was sat chasing, Freeman saying my something was off on my swing, it's a little bit of a, of a clear explanation that the media and furthermore the fans could digest a little bit easier. You know what I'm saying? But Possibly. Even then, it's like, well, are you making an excuse? That's the other thing you don't also don't want to do. You don't want to hear excuses. So – uh, I think Mookie, and to be honest, I don't think much of it. I like the chippiness. That's the, that, that gets the anger going, that gets the fuel going, and that gets the hold my beer, watch this going. 
And sometimes that's what the Dodgers need, that edge, that fire, man. That's the difference between winning and losing in baseball. You know, I did see that kind of edge and a little bit of a frustration, a little, ir- a little irritability there from Mookie. I like that from him. Um, but Chris, I mean, you're you're a reasonable human being. There aren't many among us on social media. So to hear a comment like that from Dave Roberts about Mookie, you know, not not being focused on what he needs to be focused on and trying to hit, you know, his 40th home run of the season. Um, that's just a recipe for, for disaster, but hopefully nobody picked, uh, nobody else picked up on that. <laughs> all right. Two things. First hit that like button. Second of all, let's get into the segment. It's brought to you by tick pick. If you're looking to get some tickets for the Dodgers this upcoming season, and you don't want to pay those stupid fees at checkout, well, then download the TickPick app right now. Not only are you going to have the option to get tickets to any Dodgers game anywhere in the country, for that matter, maybe even Korea, but you can get tickets, the best deals, to any event you like. So if you're a big concert goer like myself, if you want to go see Usher because you loved him at the Super Bowl, he just announced a tour. So download the TickPick app, get the best deals on the market. They were the cheapest Super Bowl tickets. They gloated that. So Download that app. So let's get into this, guys. All right. So what we're going to do today, we're going to cover three positions. You've each, we've all been assigned one position we're going to cover particularly, and then we'll grade each other's lists. This is the top 10. We're going to do starting pitchers. Top 10 right now. Yeah. Shortstops and third baseman right now. How we're going to measure these projections is based off 2023 and projecting ahead to where we'll think they'll be at in 2024. And to add a little more twist into this, I've created a panel thanks to our Discord. I should drop that link in the chat below. But a few of our Discord members submitted their lists as well. So we kind of have a metric to measure our rankings versus their collective average rankings. And so the first question is, who wants to go first? There's the Discord link if you want to join we talk Dodgers all day long and keep up with the rumors and the lack of off-season action, thanks to Scott Boris right now. Um, I'll go first. So do you want me to just give you my list and then kind of tell you my reasoning about it, or h- how would you like me to do it? However you prefer, just try to do it in three to five minutes. All right, I'm going to try and keep this concise. Um, so uh, my position was uh, starting pitchers. Uh, which was not easy. Uh, the top 10 starting pitchers in the major leagues right now. Um, here they are. Um, I struggled with this because I, because I, I wanted to, I wanted to put Tyler Glasnow on this list and I feel like he would have, would have sat pretty comfortably at 10. Um, but right now I have him just outside. So at, uh, so at 10 right now uh, is Seattle Mariners pitcher, Luis Castillo. Okay. Uh, num- number nine is Blue Jays pitcher Kevin Gosman. Uh, number eight is still free agent Blake Snell. Number seven is San Francisco Giants pitcher Logan Webb. Number six is Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher Zach Gallen. Number five is Atlanta Braves pitcher Spencer Strider. Number four is Phillies pitcher Zach Wheeler. Number three is Dodgers' new ace, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. 
Number two is uh, the newly acquired uh, Orioles pitcher, Corbin Burns. And number one is Garrett Cole. Now, the definitely one surprise in there. Yeah. Which one? Burns at two? I don't have a problem. I think, well, no, that's not the one. Yamamoto, I think, is going to be a top 10 pitcher, but that's bold going number three. I, I, because of the dominance that he had in Japan, we haven't really seen that much, that, that big of a dominating force like him on the mound come over to the Dodgers and the Dodgers who I believe value talent better than anybody across the major leagues gave him a $325 million contract. So they must know something too. That's why I have him so high, but, um, Corbin Burns, I just feel like, you know, he's always in the, in the top three or five of Cy Young voting and he has one Cy Young. Now he goes to a team like the Orioles up and coming. They have a really good rotation. And so he goes to the top of that rotation, the motivation for him to be the number one guy on a really good contending team. I think that puts him uh, in the upper echelon for me. Um, Zach Wheeler at number four. Zach Wheeler. Share my screen. Let me let me know if you guys go ahead and keep talking. Sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted. Zach Wheeler at number four. Um, I watched how he pitched in the postseason, and that for me was like it. I mean, that just separates the good from the great. And so I feel like Zach Wheeler coming back to the Phillies. Um, he he is my uh, number four on this list. And then in the middle, you gotta got you know Strider and Gallon and Webb. I feel like they can be kind of interchangeable. They're all excellent. They're all top tier starters. Um, so you can kind of mix and match with those. Um, and and then uh, Blake Snell, Kevin Gosman. I, I saw. I, I I looked at a bunch of different top lists uh, from a bunch of different sites. A lot of them had Gosman on there, which I was yeah, a little so- surprised. Because this wasn't how I wanted to share it. But speaking of Gossman, Jake, this is your list. So you have Gossman at nine, Yamamoto at three. So just for everyone to recap real quick, Castillo 10, Gossman 9, Snell 8, Webb 7, Gallon 6, Strider 5, Wheeler 4, Yamamoto 3, Burns 2, and Cole 1. Now let me pull up the committee's list, or I should say the panel's list of the starters so that Jake can compare his list. And here you go. So it's pretty similar. Blake yeah. Snell 10, Web 9. Yes. So I think that might have been the one snub you had. But yeah, everyone else matches. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say Aaron Nola was definitely uh, snubbed on there. I don't know if I would have gone Yoshinobu Yamamoto as high. Um, I also think you could have you know, potentially added maybe you know, Max Scherzer still no, in there no no, no no i'm just saying you could have right uh, now but, no way verlander's or, better than or him. you could have actually gone even though he's coming off a rough year and uh and, and he's battling injury right now sandy alcantara i thought could, could have also made the he's list not pitching next year so that would be a bad pick i mean well, there's a I, bunch of guys there's a bunch of guys like sunny gray and kodai Senga and jesus lozardo um yeah a lot of, so, yeah. I saw a lot of, I saw Pablo Lopez on a lot of lists and Framber Valdez. Yeah. Um, George Kirby was on a lot of lists and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Kyle Bradish, uh, the Orioles. 
Jake, I'm going to give you an A- minus for your list. I think you pretty much nailed it. Yamamoto might have been a little too aggressive, but <laughs> I, I would have had him probably at 10. I think I would have left Blake Snell off. Maybe that's a hot take, but I would have had all the other pitchers. Well, great. So I'm A-. glad. A- a- minus, list. Nice. All right, Chris, you want to go next, or would you like me to present? Well, what's my what's my grade from Chris? Oh, B+. Plus. Okay. Oh, B+. Plus. <laughs> Why? Because they didn't put Max Scherzer on there? Yes, because you didn't put Max Scherzer. No, no. I uh, Yamamoto was a little bit was a little high. I thought Logan Webb, Snell are a little bit more proven pitchers. They they could have been a little bit higher, but overall it was solid. I would I probably would have put Cole at number one. Burns, I so, think yeah. Burns at three or four would have made a little more sense for me. But Who's then again, the you know, you. Burns is my with, Burns is my two. I'm picking Burns to win the Cy Young this upcoming season for the AL. Would you, wow. you have Cole at would you have first Cole at one, Kevin? I would have Cole at one. And yeah. then, yeah, as Yongi pointed out, I guess we agree. Zach Allen's the best pitcher in the National League. Wow. Yeah. All I right, mean, Chris. I, I don't I don't think so. I think it's Yamamoto, but. Yeah. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, so I had third baseman, uh, top okay. 10 third baseman. This was a tough list, so bear with me. I know we talked offline. You said I could put Ellie De La Cruz on there, and I yeah. didn't because I think he's going to be more of a shortstop this year. So with that being said, let okay, let's get ready to roll. Here we go. <laughs> Number ten, recently to the underrated, always good for twenty six to thirty home runs every year. Recently now on the Arizona Diamondbacks, so the Dodgers are going to see him often. Eugenio Suarez at number ten. Number nine, reigning AL Rookie of the Year from the Baltimore Orioles, Gunnar Henderson. Number eight. Newly minted World Series champion. This guy did it all. Massive throws, good stops on, on the baseline, big-time home runs. Josh Young, big fan of his from the Texas Rangers. Number seven, he's a free agent. He, he could hit for power, and he's good defensively, and he was even linked to the Dodgers. Former All-Star, Matt Chapman. Number six, from your Los Angeles Dodgers, <laughs> who matched a career high in home runs, and while at times his glove makes you want to go like this, he's still solid defensively, slightly above average with the occasional bonehead plays. Low batting average, but still good for power, and that's going to be good in the fifth hole. Max Muncie. At five, everyone hates him in Dodger land, but you can't deny what this guy is still able to do, even as he's gotten a little bit older, and that's from the Houston Astros, Alex Bregman. Number four from the Boston Red Sox. Not for long, maybe. Who knows? Rafael Devers. Fantastic hitter. Decent fielder. Sometimes below average fielding. Number three. Perhaps the best third baseman of a generation. The guy is basically the, the uh, Mr. Gold Glove at third base. From the St. Louis Cardinals. Last year's uh, uh, 2022 M uh, MVP finalist, Nolan Arenado. Number two. Another hated person in Dodger land. Former Dodger from the San Diego Padres. You can't deny a cannon of an arm. Good for 35 to 40 home runs every year and 100 plus RBIs, not to mention batting over 300. Manny Machado. And at number one, doo -doo -cha, doo -doo -cha, from the Cleveland Guardians. This guy is as well-rounded as it comes. He is a walking 325 hitter solid defensively, can hit for power, hit for average, 
and is the last of the Mohicans in Cleveland from those World Series contending teams, Jose Ramirez. Boom. All right. I like it. Well, I don't think I like it. <laughs> the bottom the bottom needs some work, but I think the top makes sense. Chris, I think you left off the best third baseman in baseball altogether, and his name is Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck. How did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I was like, there's someone missing. Yeah. Oh, and actually, you know, it's funny. I missed Riley, but also I missed uh, K. Brian Hayes from the uh, Pirates. He was going to be on my um, – He's going to be on my honorable list. So yes, Austin Riley. Yeah. How did, how did that get past me? Yeah. My bad. <laughs> I was focused so much on the bottom because I thought Henderson deserved to be on there. Eugenio Suarez. And then all of a sudden there's, there, there's a name to be missed on there. So yeah, no I way. guess. Okay. No. Hold on. Mark. Yeah. Off, so let uh, me mark, uh... off, mark off Suarez, move everyone down one, put Austin Riley at number five. Okay. Well, We'll put an asterisk on that because I just I already wrote out your list. I'm not doing that all over again. No, right no, now. no, I know. I, I'm just I'm so just uh, let me uh, let me pull up these uh, lists real quick as a quick recap. Let's see if this is. Chris's yeah, how did I miss Austin Riley? Shit. Yeah, <laughs> Chris, I, I'm gonna have to give you like a D minus. D minus. a pretty bad whiff on your part. So just to recap, Eugenio Suarez, who. I don't, I don't see it. I'm, 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 I just don't see it, but Gunnar Henderson. Yeah. He is elite. Josh Young, pretty solid. Matt Chapman, Max Muncie, Alex Bred, Bregman, Rafael Devers, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, and Jose Ramirez. The top five would... pretty accurate minus Riley, which is, you know, a big miss. But besides that, yes, those are good picks. I, I would um I would put Riley either second or third on this list. Really? And I would and I would and I would move um Devers up. Wait, is that his list? No. So this is the no, panel. The, the panel. Yeah, I would have um I, I I like your I like your Jose Ramirez pick. Uh switch hitter. He's been elite and kind of underrated for a long time. So I would have him one, Riley two. Uh, maybe Machado three endeavors four. Yeah, I like. Yeah, this this list makes sense to me. Although I would flip Riley and Ramirez. And, and the only issue I have with this list, I mean, outside of course the Riley one that I just that was. See, dude, this is what happens when you put me on a show one day after Super Bowl. I haven't been brushed up. I'm a little rusty there, Kev. So there's got to be some grace for that. But I am <laughs> not sure Ellie De La Cruz is going to be the everyday starter at third. That's why I was a little hesitant to put him on there because I I saw him play him a lot of shortstop this past year. The submissions had a mixture of Ellie at short and um, third, but I'll tell you why I don't think he's their shortstop. So why don't I transition that over to my list now? I'm doing the top 10 shortstop. Wait, we, we have to give grades. Oh, yeah. He gave me a I already did. already. Yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Chris a, uh, a B minus C plus. To the haters in the chat, I give you a B minus, Jake. No, I you missed Austin Riley. That's pretty. It's a pretty big whiff. <laughs> people, people joking that we snubbed Rendon. Good one. And to the haters of Max Muncie, I would have had him in my top ten too. Yeah, I think thank you. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, of that. I okay, might have had so, him a little high, but yeah, yeah. So he had a pretty impressive rookie campaign. I'm doing shortstops, everybody. For the Cincinnati Reds, Matt McLean from UCLA is going to break out shortstop 10 number nine 
Carlos Correa, definitely on the downward slope, had a bad season, but I still think he's top 10 worthy. Another guy, downward season, got paid a lot of money, kind of disappointing. Xander Bogarts, number seven, kind of an underrated baseball player. JP Crawford for the Seattle Mariners, number six, got paid a lot as well in the offseason. I think he's starting to be on the decline. Trey Turner, number five, Toronto Blue Jays star shortstop Bo Bichette, number four, in my opinion, the best defensive shortstop currently in the game, and I would have paid him what he wanted. Chicago Cubs own Dansby Swanson, number three, just got a massive extension by a small market team like a week ago, and he should be on the verge of some monster seasons. Bobby Witt Jr. of the Kansas City Royals is my number three. Number two, still continues to put up numbers despite their struggles last season. Francisco Lindor of the New York Mets. And number one, how could I not go with the World Series MVP, one of the highest paid players in baseball of the Texas Rangers, Corey Seager, runner-up, AL MVP. So now let me find my list. Let's put that on yeah, the so look. Yeah, let yeah, me take so a look at find that. that list. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you didn't on, go everybody. Anthony Volpe on there. <laughs> or Miguel Rojas. No, I'm not a big believer in him. Uh, Miguel Lux. Rojas, that'd be that'd be funny. Yeah, Gavin Lux what? was the one I was kind of toying with, but mm, ultimately I decided I not to I would have had there. Lux on there over Crawford. Crawford... Crawford's good. I mean, he's an on-base guy. He had, he had like a 380 on base last year, but All right, I don't second. know. He doesn't really do much for me. Here we go. JP Crawford. Yeah. Yeah. He had a he had a really good season, so I had to pay him his respects. If there's yeah, anyone he had, he had that could complete, if he if there's anyone on that list that could just completely turn into a pumpkin, I guess it would be JP Crawford. Um, but yeah, here's my list. As you can see, I, I think, yeah, I, I, my only, my only issue or yeah, my only issue is JP Crawford a little too high. Um, I still think Xander Bogarts and Carlos Correa are better than him. Um, I don't know much about Matt McClain, but obviously I heard, heard about the hype. Um, I have no, I, I feel like, I feel like Bobby Wood Jr., Dansby Swanson, Bo Bichette and Trey Turner. You could mix those around a little bit. They, they kind of be interchangeable, but I don't have any issues with that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really have many issues with your list other than that one, one thing. All right. Yeah. So here's the say, panels list. <clears throat> yeah. I, w- I would say, yeah. Willie Adamas. Oh, Willie Adamas made the list. Okay. Yeah, he's, I don't know why he's on that list. No, it's, it's a definitely a decent list. Uh, Kev, I, I would have thrown in Ellie Dela Cruz on there, uh, you know, instead of the third baseman, but that's kind of like one of those guys that's probably going to, you know, f- flex in both, in both positions. Um, Dansby at four, you had Dansby at four, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the one I was like, uh, I don't know. I, I personally would still put, I, you know, even though you guys think Trey Turner's on the decline, Trey Turner still impacts the game in a lot of different ways with power and with speed. And, you know, Dansby is solid. Not, no question about it. I, I just think those other guys could have been put ahead of him. So, but overall good. Yeah. Good list. I'd I say. give you, I, I, I give you an A minus Kev. Yeah, A minus okay. B plus, I'd say. B plus. Thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I mean, 
know, you're, yeah. It, there's going to be some guys that move around. Um, Willie Adamas, I was surprised to see him make the top 10. I don't really buy him, but yeah, I, I made my list before the, the panels list. So JP Crawford at least kept me in check at least. Um, okay. So we're going to go back to the chat in just a minute. I think Steve G though has a pretty good topic that I'm sure a lot of Dodgers fans want us to talk about. So let me just hide this thing real quick. He wants us to talk about the Dodgers new uniforms. I mean, they're new uniforms across baseball, right? I think as far so. as material, like the, like I've seen not just with the Dodgers, but like Nike has kind of redone the uniforms. I don't know. They're, they're, they're bad. I mean, they're not as good as the other ones. I mean, but but in terms of how much do I really care about this? Not that much. I mean, it's still the Dodger home whites, the Dodgers road grays. I mean, those are classics. Um, the 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 biggest issue I've had with the uniforms over the last few years is the uh, the City Connect jerseys stink. I hate them. Yes, they're terrible. I mean, they started off with the pajama look. With the blue top and the blue I, bottoms, I that think those died terrible. with Julio Urias. If I'm and being then, honest, I and think then they, they switched died with to the Julio. white pants. They switched back to the white pants, which was better. But man, it, they could have done so much more with with that. I mean, it basically is just a blue jersey, and they added Los in front of Dodgers, and then just called it a day. Yeah, I don't know why they haven't, you know, adapted more, at least of the alternate blues, like on the road, like the Angels do that. The Red Sox have like four different uniforms now. The Angel Even, City Connects are great. Yeah, the Angels are solid. I like their alternate reds, you know? So, I mean, it's, it, it, there, there's, I'm not saying you have to overdo it, but I just kind of think that the Dodgers, it's like, all right, guys, it's 2024. It, it's not the worst thing in the world to have the white pants with the blue, with the blue shirts that say Dodgers on it. That's hard, man. That's really cool. I think that's, yeah, that, that's that goes like, back to like the, uh, the, the think blue days back in like, you know, when Chanho park was on the Dodgers. I remember back when their those. spring training was at Vero beach, Jake. Yeah, exactly. Dodger yeah. town. So, but they did wear those blue jerseys during, during the season. I, I, I did, I did really like those, but the, but the thing about the, 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 jer the regular jerseys now is that the, the, the way that they've done it, the Dodgers script is kind of off kiltered it's not I don't, I don't know how to quite describe yeah. it but it's just not clean like dodgers across the chest isn't right. clean it's a little off or something like that the split is weird with the buttons yeah i to be honest i'm just not as passionate about this subject as most dodger fans currently are like yeah the the off-white the white is different yeah it's annoying that the d or yeah i think it's the d is a little clip cut now where the button goes whatever you know there's other things that i'm worried about like i still can't get over that farmer john is gone like <laughs> if, if i had my choice i'd rather have farmer john making the dodger dogs again than nike it used to be majestic right like for years they made the uniforms and they did they did a killer job and then nike took over like the corporate machine that they are but yeah it is what it is so we're going to go backwards now in the chat and probably got 15 minutes or so left of the show. So we'll just do some quick hits on things that were dropped in the chat and go over your guys' comments. Hopefully you're still here. If you have any final questions you want us to cover, definitely drop them in the chat now. I would highly recommend it if you want your comments read on the air. So 
Broman74, dude, what do you guys think of Otani's 2024 fan graph projections this year? 39 home runs, 111 RBIs, 925 OPS. I don't need to read all those stats. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you kind of think Otani's going to do year one with the Dodgers? I mean, if he does that, <laughs> that's great. That's an MVP season. You know, that's, I mean, 39 bombs and 111 RBIs. I'll take that all day. Yeah. Uh, 925 OPS. I mean, if he does that, I mean, that that's all you could, that's all you can really ask for. And you, and you know, that, that Freeman and Betts are going to be right up there with him with those kind of similar, similar stats, maybe not on the power side for Freddie Freeman, but certainly Mookie Betts. I mean, he hit 39 homers last year. I would, yeah, I would say that's kind of on par. I would say it wouldn't shock me if he has anywhere from 35 to 45 home runs this year. Um, but also, too, don't forget, he's switching leagues. So even though he has seen more of the National League the last few years because everybody plays each other, there's still going to be that adjustment of seeing guys that he's not as familiar, uh, familiar with. So I wonder how he adjusts to that. But we're talking Shohei Otani. As long as he's healthy, believe me, the one thing he's going to be able to do on most nights is drive the ball out of the park and get on base. All right, next question from IV or four. I still need to know which one it is. Any Valentine's Day plans? Chris? Okay. Uh, first of all, some people, not me, some people decided to celebrate it last week, last weekend, like over the weekend, Friday or Saturday night. I am going to celebrate it this upcoming weekend, you know, because it's midweek, you know, there's Ash Wednesday. There's a lot of stuff going on this week. So I'm actually going to celebrate it. I'm going to give my girl a little care package. That's why we do it. And then we're, I'm going to actually going to treat her to in and out one of her favorite meals. And uh, we're just going to hang out and enjoy and, and enjoy each other. Enjoy okay. one another's company. You enjoy each other. All right. You all right. All right. Married man. What's your plan, bro? Um, so we're keeping it low key this oh, year because true. we're leaving for Austin, Texas this weekend. Nice. So flying out Thursday night gonna be there through president's day haven't been before so if you have recommendations please everyone drop it in the chat or if you're watching after the fact send me a message on x or youtube comments let me know your recommendations for austin texas because i haven't been but i'm hell is sure gonna try some of their texas barbecue some tex-mex and go check out some live music there you go i have no plans i am single and i am I am available, but in terms of uh, having any Valentine's Day plans, I don't have any. And you know something? I will say this. It is it is kind of nice to not have those plans. I feel like there's a lot of pressure when it comes to Valentine's Day. I've, I've, I've had pressure on me in the past in terms of uh, planning something. You got to get the right gift. You got to do the whole social media thing. Is the caption right? There's a lot of factors that go into it. So I'm I'm happy to not have to uh to do anything this time around. But you know what? It's okay. It's 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 okay. I'll I'll be fine. I, I will be fine. Red Jake, Velvet used you to should, be the you gotta go to an anti-Valentine Valentine's Day bar scene. Okay. That would be awesome right there. A little anti-establishment. You might find someone who's a little, you know, riled up by the idea of being disgusted by Valentine's day. I know exactly. Misery loves company. 
Love Red Velvet. That was my favorite part about Valentine's Day. Coming from UCLA Lakers. Sorry if you mentioned it already, but are we done making moves? And that will tie into Romance 74 dude's question, who might be a Kenley Jansen fan based off that number. He wants to know if Jansen's coming back to the Dodgers. Well, Ken Rosenthal came on uh, foul, tor- foul territory, I believe, earlier today and said that it's more, looking more likely that Kenley Jansen is staying put with the Boston Red Sox. And I kind of feel like if the Dodgers were going to acquire a Jansen, it would have happened already at this point. But to get back to the question, no, I don't think we are done making moves. I believe that they're going to have one 40-man roster spot open soon when Nick Frosso gets moved to the 60-day IL. And I think they're going to give it to possibly one more major league proven starter. Hmm. Who would you say? I mean, you you think like a free agent signing? A free agent signing. We're talking like bottom of the barrel because maybe shades of like Tyler 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 Anderson. Sorry, Tyler Anderson of two years ago where they just kind of picked someone up and then turned him into something. I mean, Hunchin Rio is still out there. I don't know if the Dodgers would go down that route. But I like I'm, I'm talking like bottom of the barrel, just throw in one more starter. Yeah, I mean, the only issue with Hunjin is he's he has the same issue as the rest of our rotation, which is they can't stay healthy. So right. um, that that would be uh, I'd be interested to see if they if they do add one more starter. I mean, there's is some- Michael Lorenzen still available or did he sign? Yes. He's nope, still, available. still available. Yeah. See, like somebody like he that. Makes sense. Would, yeah. Wouldn't be the worst idea ever. I still In like Ryu, second half of the year, once he started getting healthy, he was good for like five innings. Five innings, one run, handful of strikeouts. You know, I mean, still decent. And I think for the back end of, of your rotation with depth, and like I said, still with question marks with how guys like Bobby Miller and Sheehan are going to look, and of course the health of James Paxton, it wouldn't be the worst idea to bring this guy back. But the, the problem is all these other mid-level to A-minus level f- free agents being available certainly mucks that whole idea up. Yeah, sorry. I just got a little frustrated internally with Scott Boris because he's holding this entire free agency hostage. Like, we're February 12th, and why is Cody Bellinger, J.D. Martinez, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery still out there on the open market? Matt Chapman, Tommy Pham. Matt, yes. What are all the those hell are guys we doing? I think they all are, maybe with the exception of Fam. I'm not. I can't verify him, but the all the all the other ones certainly are. Are we, we sure Boris is getting laid or not getting laid? What? <laughs> I, I I missed the first part of that question. Do you think not getting laid by from Scott Boris is affecting his work, and now he's just angry at the world? Yeah, let's start that rumor. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's, yeah, it's because Scott Boris is not getting any action. He doesn't want to give anybody else any action. It's just really aggravating King Gordo 24. I was wondering, we all know who is winning the MVP this year, but who is probably Otani's biggest competition in the NL? I don't know if Otani winning MVP is certainly a lock for this upcoming season because the reason, yeah. Jake said it. And the reason Otani usually would win is because he would pitch and hit. He's not going to have the pitching on his side this season. Yeah, it's Ronald Acuna Jr. as the biggest competition. If he can replicate his prior season, 
He's going to be in definitely in the thick of it. For sure. Um, I, you know, I, I think there's a few names you could still throw out there. You know, Paul Goldschmidt might still, you know, have, have a really good year. Machado, Tatis, those guys, uh, maybe even oh, another Tatis. break. What? Tatis. Tatis, yeah, one. exactly. Uh, maybe Corbin Carroll. Who knows? Uh, Ellie Deli Cruz, if he has a, a great year. I mean, who who, who the heck knows? Uh, you know, these MVP, uh, these, MV, Don't these forget about for MVP is always interesting because they never really stick to the same script. And Otani set such a high bar now that I wonder if he's going to become prisoner of his own success or victim of his own success. Otani's biggest competition might even be on his own team with, with yeah. Luke Betts and Freddie Freeman. So those, sure. those guys are, are definite yeah. candidates too. Can't, yeah, can't overlook them. They were both the finalists last year. Yeah. Okay. I'm just catching up on the comments now. Some Chris bashing on his list. Sorry that happened. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'll kiss my ass. <laughs> All right. Talked about the new uniforms. Okay. So now let's see if there's anything else. Is there any other questions? Because we're getting to our final five minutes. So, what is this? What new restaurant should they have now in Dodger Stadium? My vote is Yoshinoya. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. It's a chain. I think Chick-fil-A would be a good look. Oh, not bad. All right. I think this yeah. is the last question. Second to last question. Coming from Aaron Vaughn, Kevin, Jake. And Chris, what are your thoughts on 49ers plus Dodger fans? Makes me sick. I don't care. I I, I I don't care. Like, root for whoever you want. It's LA's fault they didn't have a football team for 15 years or whatever. Um, San Francisco was, like, the closest thing other than the Chargers. I don't – no. Sorry, no. It's no. a legacy. It's a legacy. Pick another damn team. If you're a Dodgers fan, you pick another damn team. You and the, thing the San Francisco team? Come on. If you want it, if you grew up rooting for Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, I can't fault you for that. Those then guys be a Giants fan. I don't care. Like, just pick one. You can't do both. I, I can't stand it. I, I can't, I can't, I can't stand like the, you know, the I guess I can make an exception for like maybe a Dodgers like Cowboys fan, because like fine, you know, mm, but no. like San Francisco, you can't. No, no, sorry, absolutely not. Well, you know, I, I first of all, this is my girlfriend in a nutshell. Dodgers and Niners. So oh. yeah, so she had a rough day. She had a rough day yesterday. And Good. I, I I told her first of all, since I didn't have a dog in this race, I said, listen, I'm not really rooting for either one, but I'm giving you my full support. Is what I told her. Well, yeah, you, know what I mean? you have to say I was, that, Chris. Jake, you know what I was yesterday? I was a politician who lost in the primaries and then gave the full support to the nominee. Yeah, it, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, hey, we got to stick together over here. Yeah. So from right. that Valentine's Day is coming up, Chris. So LA had no football team for basically our generation. We're yeah, all I know. <laughs> so people grew up with the Cowboys, the Raiders, the, the Niners, the Packers, the Eagles. Those are really the five main ones that most people are fans of. Like for me, I was a Ravens fan, but I wasn't like su super into football. But now that the Rams are in town, yeah, I've become more of a Rams fan. The Ravens are on the back burner. 
for a lot of people, just because the Rams and the Chargers came into town doesn't mean that they're going to desert the teams that they grew up watching. So I, I just wanted to kind of leave I, that. I get it. I get the whole concept of it. I'm just right. saying that if you're a Dodgers fan, yeah. you know that the other base that the other one of the other baseball teams in California up north is the San Francisco Giants. How can you seriously root for both? It just ah. What about I, the Warriors? Yeah, a lot of people rooted for the Warriors when the Lakers were down in the tubes for a while. Well, that's bullshit too. <laughs> no, but it was also Oakland. It wasn't Frisco. Who cares? Who cares? The because because San Francisco and Oakland. I mean, it's the same. It's the same franchise. I mean, they they were once in Oakland and now they're in San Francisco. It's, it, it it makes no difference. It, you're 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 a Lakers fan, okay? You can't be rude. You can't you can't also have an allegiance to the Warriors. You can't have an allegiance to the Boston Celtics. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. But they weren't rooting for the Warriors. I think the reason why people from LA were pulling for the Warriors was because there was a lot of anti-LeBron fans who were Laker fans who wanted to see LeBron lose. That's why they were pulling for the Warriors. Well, that's horseshit. You know what? You root for the Lakers. It, it, I don't care who's on the team. You root for the jersey. That's how it's always been. Jay, so, I'm offering reasons. No, I know, and I'm offering rebuttals. So that's what I'm doing. It, it gets me fired up because if you – look, the only way, the only way that you're going to root for the Warriors – is if they're playing the Celtics, right? It's like with the with the Angel when the Angels and the Giants were in the World Series in 2002. That's a tough that was a tough call for some for some people. Not for me. I'm not rooting for the Giants. I will root for the Angels. I don't care. And I was a diehard Angels fan in that World Series because god damn it, <laughs> I did not want to see the Giants win. Fair enough. I'm and and I agree with you in spirit. I'm just saying this is why people have rooted for some of these other teams through the years, you know? I understand it, but it's wrong. I'm sorry that I disappointed you, Aaron. Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly think I dislike the Chargers more than I than I dislike the 49ers, but I'm also what? crazy with this. I do not like the Chargers. What are you talking about? What I do you just, mean? I do not like them. Is I don't that... like the, I don't like Justin Herbert. I don't like Dean Spanos. I, I just don't care. like I don't oh. like that they're renting our building and they call it home. Go back to San Diego. Oh my! Well, that's God. the thing. Chargers are one of the few franchises that actually pissed off both cities. They were disloyal to San Diego and they are interlopers in LA. I've like never seen Clippers. anything like it. They're like the Clippers to me, but you yeah. like you don't like the Chargers. You like no? The, I don't you, like the Chargers. You don't like the Chargers? Oh my God! You like the 49ers more than no. the Chargers? My brain they're both, even they're both bottom five for me, but like I don't passionately hate the 49ers. Like when the Giants won the World Series in 2014, that was like one of the worst days of my life. Like that was a rough one. We're not talking suicide, but the level before that. So I guess depression. I was in a depressed state for but a also while. too, Jake. I want you to consider this. I don't know if there's as intense of a rivalry historically between the Rams and the Niners, the way there is for Lakers Celtics, Lakers Sacramento Kings, right? Dodgers Giants. Though that is where the inflammation of the hatred for a team like the San Francisco Giants comes from because of the historical rivalry. The Niners right. and the Rams don't necessarily have that. That's the thing. I think it's starting to build now because both teams have been really good and Super Bowl contenders in recent years, but it's not like, where it is with some of these other rivalries.
You know, right. what I, mean? I just but, want to throw that in there as well. Right, but the Ram, the, the Rams and the Niners, even when they were in St. Louis, have, have been in the same division f- for as long as I can remember. Same division, but not really a rivalry though. Well, Until LA, it, well, now it's LA versus San Francisco. I agree. The hatred, yeah. the hatred does come from those other rivalries and yeah. where they stack up against those other ones that you mentioned. Exactly. The Rams 49ers is is does not crack that list. Mm-hmm. But the but my point remains: if you if you're a Dodgers fan or if you're a a, a Giants fan rooting for the Rams, weirdly, I don't know if that even exists. But either way you go for it, I just can't get on board. I just can't. I even I even get into arguments with my dad and my brother who, you know, don't really have as much passion about that, about this subject as me, where they'll be like, yeah, I, you know, I like the, I like the guys on the Niners or like, yeah, I like the guys on the Celtics. I'm like, no, what do you mean? No, stop it. You can't do that. Not around right. me. Well, we got Jake fired up. That's a that's an early entry, I think, for the 2024 Incline Awards yeah, Best Host Rant. We'll bring hey, that I had one a fire back. Extinguisher that color, Jake, on yeah. the one on your face. Yeah, exactly. No, they all they all look like that, Chris. <laughs> all right, time to wrap it up. Anyone got any final thoughts? Thank you guys for uh, following along in the chat all night long. You guys really kept it fun. If you haven't subscribed yet to our channel, or if you're listening on the audio feed hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review and leave some YouTube comments and we'll comment along. So any final thoughts, guys? Um, I am so excited to see some spring training action. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, the full the full camp reports tomorrow. So that's really cool. Uh, we're going to get to see a lot more uh, of con- content. Hopefully we get to see some of the new guys like we talked about, Margot and Teoscar Hernandez and, and maybe, you know, I, I don't think we've seen Big Maple James Paxton yet, so um, I'm excited to see all those new guys in camp. And just like I said at the beginning, the storylines this season are going to be insane. We're gonna this is going to be a crazy baseball season for the Dodgers. Yeah, and and as far as the lefty relievers go, this is the time to kind of roll some guys out, even guys that maybe we not haven't even really discussed or even heard of. So this is the time over the next few weeks for spring training to really see. Can somebody is somebody going to want to compete for that role next to Alex Vesia in the bullpen as a lefty reliever that we wouldn't have expected? Matt Gage. <laughs> cool. There you go. Well, I don't have any final thoughts. I just would like everyone to follow along on our social media as well. We're getting a lot of new followers, so I want to thank you guys all personally. And if you're new to the podcast, I want to extend my welcome to you as well. This is an exciting season, as we've all been talking about. Alex Gamboa, that's a good pick for uh, a sleeper lefty. So good job, Aaron, there. Um, Yeah, so follow us on Instagram, follow us on X, and follow us here. We're going to have a lot of Dodgers content as this season gets rolling. So Chris Camel, thank you for hanging out tonight. Chris, you got a follower from Steve, uh, from uh, Gallegos. I know that him from X, he followed you. So there you go, Chris. You got some love in the chat tonight. You got your redemption story. Later, Jake. Everyone, have a great night. We're peacing out. Incline Dodgers, thank you guys for following along. Let's go, Dodgers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.